Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Well, amen. Have a seat. We're in a series entitled Normal. And how many of you know that in the kingdom of God, normal is well above average? You know that if you're living average, you're not normal in the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God is all about uh, spirit-filled people, love-pickled people, grace-empowered people. It's about that, right? And so this morning, we're going to be talking about another aspect of normal. What does normal serving look like? And so uh, I just have one question for you this morning. Uh, how many, I want you to think about the greatest servant you know the greatest servant, a person in your life who's really impacted your life through their serving. Growing up, I was incredibly blessed to have grandparents that were wonderful servants. My papa and my nanny, they were ranchers, just old ranchers, lived on a a ranch about 500 acres. And my grandfather, papa, born, I'll give you a little frame of reference, born in 1907, okay? So he was old school, he was really old school. And Papa was just a simple rancher, but he and his brother, uh, Lynn, shared land together. And I watched these two brothers uh, build fence together, work cattle together, harvest crops together. They, they just did that kind of stuff. And, and Papa would say, you know, that's, that's just what brothers do. Just what brothers do. But beyond that, I would watch them serve their community. They lived in a little ranching community and they would go and they would work their neighbor's cattle. They'd build their neighbor's fence. They would harvest their neighbor's stuff. And on occasion, I I was invited, just a little little Stevie, about 10 or 11 years old, riding a horse, working cattle, watching people brand and vaccinate and all that. And and it just struck me. I, I remember my grandmother, she always kept... A, a, a pot of beans on the stove. And I, I said, Nanny, why, why do you keep a pot of beans on the stove? I mean, they lived out in the middle of nowhere. And she said, you just never know when somebody might drop in. And, you know, she had cornbread ready. Right? And you know what? People dropped in. Just incredibly hospitable, serving people, you know, uh, in their church, in their family, in their community, everywhere they went. My dad... Uh, he was a principal in a middle school during the time of integration of the schools. Now, many of you are too young to even understand what it would have been like to, to live in that time. My dad was in charge of busing, and so he was integrating the schools. And can I tell you, the church oftentimes does not act normal to the ways of the kingdom. My dad, he, he did this at a cost. And I remember that he had this, these two custodians, Shorty and Ernest. Everybody say Shorty and Ernest, okay? I want you to remember them. Shorty was a Hispanic man. I loved talking to Shorty. Never understood a word he said, but he just smiled and we had a great time trying to communicate. Ernest, he was a little bit kind of gnarly and, and grisly. He was, a, he was a black man, but I really liked Ernest. And so these guys, uh, they love my dad, because my dad loved them. And so I can remember just as a kid and, and the phone would ring and my mom would kind of roll her eyes. She said, 
it's, it's Ernest or it's Shorty. And my dad would pick up the phone. He said, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah, okay, okay, I'll be right there. And so my dad would go and what would happen is one of these guys would get a little rowdy. They'd drink too much and they'd end up in jail. And my dad would go and he would bail them out. And so they would come in and out of our house, usually not to pay back, but to do chores or barter for their whatever. My, my dad, I remember asking him one time, dad, why do you do that? And my dad said, son, that's what Christians do. That's, Christians serve. That's what we do. You know, he served his church. He served his community. He served his family. Incredible guy. As I grew up, my best friend is, to this day, named Ray English. Some of you might know Ray. Ray is just an ordinary guy, sheet metal worker. And uh, Ray and I grew up, we were in high school. One day he came to me and he said, hey, listen, uh, we need to serve the school. I said, okay, I'm 16 years old. He said, we need to start a fellowship of Christian athletes in our high school. I said, okay, well, all right, what do we do there? And so we figured it out. We brought in some professional athletes who told us about FCA, and we started this deal. And Ray said, and you're gonna teach. I'm 16 years old. I've never taught anything in my life, but that's where I learned to teach. Ray's a year older than me, so I listened to everything he said. I thought he knew what he was doing. Ray's a phenomenal worship leader, and so he would bring the presence of God in. We would teach, and our group grew. It was, it was amazing in high school. As time went on, we, I went to college right here in, in, uh, at Southwest Texas, and Ray was kind of my wingman. He's the one who kind of helped me uh, meet and, and greet and get to know Lisa. We went on our first double date with Ray. So I owe him a lot. He served me a lot on that day. But Ray was the kind of guy where he was always introducing me to things, you know. He introduced me to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I got pickled in the Holy Ghost because of Ray, right? And, and so... And so Ray was the first one who introduced me to missions. I'd never, I'd gone to Mexico, but I'd never done missions. And so it was through his church and whatnot that I went to Ukraine and Russia in 1992. And, and, and so all of these things, Ray ended up one day, he called me, he says, hey, listen, I think, I think we're supposed to plant a church together. And I just laughed. I said, well, that's crazy. I said, because really that's been in my heart and I was gonna ask you about it. Ray, who now had become the vice president of his family's sheet metal company, left it all, resigned it, gave his position away, and moved to Dripping Springs, Texas to assist me in planting a church. He became my worship leader. That's a servant. That's a servant. Today, Ray, Ray, that was for the better part of 20 years that he did that. Today, he is leading worship in his home, in a little, little home church, and his son-in-law is the pastor of the church. He's serving his son-in-law. Now, that, that's what serving is all about. Would you agree? Can I tell you what? That's normal. That's normal kingdom stuff. God wants us to look beyond ourselves into what he wants to do. I, I, one of the things I felt the Lord said to me this morning when we we're in worship is, you know, there are no, how many of you in here need a breakthrough? Can I see your hands? All right, that's a whole bunch of us. Most of us could, could have raised our hands, couldn't we? We need a breakthrough. But I heard, here's what I heard the Lord say. You know what? If we become a give first people, if we give first, then whatever your need is, it will be met. 
Okay? I mean, that's just seek first the kingdom and all these other things. The kingdom of God is about serving. Um, how many of you attended the serve rally this past week? Look at here. I, w- I want to ask if John and Natalie, if you guys, would you all just stand here? We, I just want to honor you guys. Let's give it up for these guys. No, y'all going to stand for the rest. No, you can sit down. Can I tell you what? These guys are servant deluxe. They're not just people that tell you what to do. They are give first people. And we're so blessed to have you guys. We really are. You know, because the part of culture here in Sozo is shifting. Ray would have said, you know, that's just what friends do. They serve. Can I tell you what? Natalie and John would say, that's just what Sozo does. We serve because it's normal. We're part of the kingdom of God. And so if, if you were a part of that serve rally, I want you to stand up. I want to just give notice and honor and blessing to you. Everyone just stand. If you're a part of the serve team of Sozo, that's a big, big bunch of you guys. Let's just give it up. We, we have a, a tent. Uh, I think it's our last day for the tent. If you want to be a part of the serve team, jump in there. And the truth is, Serving is for all of us. And one of the things that strikes me is that serving, it it might begin with setting up tables or it might begin with uh, serving meals. But can I tell you where it ends? It virtually always ends serving the nations. It always ends changing the world. And I wanna talk to you about some world changers this morning. You know, the, in its beginning point of kingdom, uh, or it is the beginning point of kingdom living. Jesus said this, let's put the scripture up there in, Matthew, in uh, Mark ten forty five. He says, even the son of man did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life as a ransom price in exchange for the salvation of many. I want you to notice Jesus came into the world as a servant, but the end game was salvation for every one of us. See, I believe this. I believe the language or a language of heaven is serving. One of the ways that God can reach a world that doesn't know their identity, doesn't understand who they are, doesn't understand what Jesus has come to do for them is through serving. As we serve people their eyes are open to the reality that there is another kingdom at work. It's available. Just yesterday, I was walking my dog in the morning and, uh, and my neighbor next door had assembled his whole band. He's a, a, a band director and incredible trumpet player and he has this whole group of people and they're all wearing these blue shirts and they're practicing out in our street and you know, it's nine o'clock or whatever. And, and I'm, I'm like, what, what is going on? He goes, hey, neighbor. And I said, hey, neighbor. <laughs> and he said, hey, listen, we're, we're gonna be playing at the Mermaid Parade. I said, oh, that's awesome. He goes, no, man, I wanna invite you to come to the Mermaid Parade. And so I walked my dog and, you know, kind of grumbled, I ain't going to the Mermaid Parade. And guess what the Holy Spirit said? Go to the mermaid parade. 
okay? And so I came to the house, I told Lisa, I said, hey, get, hey, you know, guess what? I think I'm supposed to go to the mermaid parade. She goes, what? You know, and those ugly, mer- I said, yeah, I know, but I'm gonna go to the mermaid parade. Why are you going to the mermaid parade? Because my neighbor invited me. See, sometimes serving looks like just showing up. You know, sometimes so, serving just looks like giving people attention, listening to people. And so guess what, man, I'm there. I know a lot of people in San Marcos. I didn't see, if you were there, I didn't see you. I didn't see anybody I knew at the whole mermaid parade. But you know what? The very first people leading the parade, you know, the, the band, they had a bunch of musicians and it's kind of sounded like going to New Orleans or something. The very first people that came through the parade were my neighbors. And, uh, you know, and so, you know, I'm there going, hey, you know, and I'm thinking, you know what? That's what the kingdom of God looks like. It looks like being present, serving people. Sometimes it's just showing up for things that you don't really want to go to. Because you know why? People are more important. You know, they're, they're just more important. Uh, I love what my friend Tommy Nauman says. Many of you know Tommy Nauman. He's, he's, a, he's an apostolic leader in the Balkans. Tommy's just a big Viking, you know, and he just kind of says it the way it is. You know, he says, hey, hey, he says, you know, you know, Steve, you know what an apostle is. I said, because usually it's a bad, it's a crazy joke Tommy's going to tell you, you know. It's not, no, Tommy, what's an apostle? He goes, you know, they're, they're just the ones who shoveled the most I'll clean it up for you, manure. He says, you know, they clean up all the messes. Everybody make their servants. That's what an apostle is. Can I tell you, sometimes we have the kingdom all jacked up. We think apostles are these ways. Tommy said, no, no, it's like this. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for the salvation of all mankind. And I see, are you getting this? The entry point into bridging heaven to earth is our service. You know, we talk about the language of heaven and, and I mean, we love to prophesy and pray in tongues and do all that good stuff. But can I tell you what? One of the things that we don't do so well sometimes is get out the basin and the towel and love people well. Because that, that is part of normal Christianity. So, okay, so that's all introduction. So uh, let's, let's, let's move on here a little bit. If you, if you and I were to meet with the Apostle Paul and ask him, who's the greatest servant you've ever known in your life? I was thinking about this. I, I asked myself the question and then I thought about it. I said, what? I wonder what he would say. And the first person that came to my mind was Barnabas. Do you remember Barnabas? Son of encouragement. Barnabas was the guy who kind of took Paul under his wing and, and introduced him to the apostles. They were scared to death of him, rightfully so. Paul, Saul of Tarsus, he was killing Christians and the whole deal. And Barnabas believed in him when nobody else believed him, took him in. Later, he invites him to go with him to Antioch and hang out with these crazy Gentiles. Later, he's on a mission trip with, um, with Paul to uh, the Galatian region. Barnabas is the leader of the trip. And in that trip, at some point in time, Barnabas steps back and allows Paul to become the leader in that group. I bet, I bet Paul thought, man, that guy really served me well. But then I thought, well, maybe, maybe he would say, 
The greatest servant he ever knew was Ananias. Do you remember Ananias? You gotta look real close for some of these names in the Bible. Ananias is the guy that after Paul had his conversion encounter with God, gets knocked off his high horse, he's laying there, he's blind, he's got scales on his eyes, and God comes and taps Ananias and he says, go to this address and there you're gonna find a guy who's gonna turn the world upside down. He's gonna change the world by reaching people that nobody will reach, Gentiles. And Ananias I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure there are people who said, you're gonna go see what? You're gonna do what? What? But he obeyed God. He went, and when he got there, he prophesied over Paul. He prayed for him. The scales fell off of his eyes, and he could see both physically and spiritually, and then he prayed for him, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. His life was changed. His whole trajectory of his life was changed there. And so I thought, yeah, I'm gonna, go with, I'm gonna go with Ananias. That's the guy. This all came as I was walking my dog. <laughs> but, the, but the Holy Spirit said, no, no, I, you still don't have it right. Those are good servants. Here's the guy I want you to talk about tomorrow. Stephen. I thought, Stephen? Paul was the guy who was holding the robes as people were stoning Stephen to death. But you know, I don't believe Paul's life was ever the same after that moment. He saw Stephen standing there being stoned to death and his face was just glowing. He was lit up with the glory of God. And his final words were the words that Jesus had spoken on the cross. He said, he said Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. In your hands, I commit my spirit. I believe those are the words that lodged in Paul's heart. This guy, Stephen. Stephen was a servant deluxe. And we're gonna look at his life. But I wanna tell you, I wanna say something. This is, what, this is the sticky point. Serving servanthood is spiritual. Because some of you, I believe one of the lies of the enemy is that, well, yeah, yeah, anybody can serve and you can do this. Can I tell me, you can do most anything in the flesh. But I'm talking about a spiritually anointed individual who out of the overflow of their life is giving to others and representing what the kingdom of God looks like. See, that's what serving is. It's taking the invisible and making it visible and tangible to other people, Right? Aren't you glad somebody served you? Yes. Now, if you have your scripture, turn with me to Acts chapter six. Acts chapter six. And we're gonna put this on the overhead so you'll, you'll be okay even if you don't have it. Uh, so Acts chapter six. And I want us to look at the first seven verses here. It says, in those days when the number of disciples were increasing, a problem arose, okay? The church is young. They're just trying to sort things out. Think Sozo. We're young. We talked about how we're, we're just kind of a, a toddler trying to figure things out. And guess what? Some of the best opportunities God gives you comes in the form of a need. Hello? Some of you right now are going, oh, I need this. This is so bad. And God said, oh, no, 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 no. Get my mind on this. This is an opportunity that has come to you because you're gonna have to change the way you think. You're gonna have to repent on this one. You're gonna have to realign with what I wanna do because I wanna change some things. 
That's kind of what's going on right here. As we're growing, as we're increasing, we're having to say, you know what? Some things are gonna have to change. We need to get the right people in the right places, doing the right things so that we can be free to be who God's created us to be. Let's read it. So the numbers increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. That was their problem. The Hebraic Jews were those Jews who spoke Hebrew and Aramaic and held to the traditions of Judaism. The Hellenistic Jews were those who would have been enculturated in Greek, in in a Greek culture, and would have spoken Greek. And so the widows of these two groups are being overlooked, or the widows, particularly the Hellenistic widows, are being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So you get right off hand that they're serving, the whole church is serving, and it says, so the 12 gathered together the disciples and said, it wouldn't be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Now, I want you to, I want you to see that. The issue for the apostles, the sent out ones, the ones who were in charge of this body was to spend time in the word of God, to spend time with God, to spend time in prayer, hearing God so that they could feed in the spiritual and these others are about to be commissioned to feed in the natural. And so it says, uh, verse three, brothers and sisters, let's do this. Here's what we submit to you. This is the plan. Choose seven men from among you who are full, who are known to be, going backwards, I I didn't get there yet, known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Leave it there for a second. I want you to see three things that they were after in a servant. That word full of right there, that, that means to be controlled by. It's the same idea of being baptized. It's the same idea of being saturated in. Same idea as being pickled in. We want to pickled in the spirit. We want to pickled in wisdom. And we want them to be responsible. Okay, that's a pretty good description of John and Adley right there, right? Would y'all take that? Full of the spirit, full of wisdom, full of responsibility. The whole idea is that these people would be ministers, or the word is diakonos, deacons, while the apostles are giving their attention to prayer and ministry of the word. Go to the next scriptures. This proposal pleased the whole group. You, you know what happens when you hear God and you come into agreement? Unity just happens. People are unified. All of a sudden, all the squabbling about what are we going to do with these it just settles down. The people were pleased. And they chose Stephen, a man, here he is, full of faith into the Holy Spirit. And they list all the other guys that, that were a part of that, the other six people, whole interesting study. Do it on your own. They presented these men to the apostles who, laid, who prayed and laid hands on them. And so the very thing they were trying to do happened. The word of God spread. It was multiplied. Not only were they unified, but they were multiplied. And the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Do you know how many priests there were in that area? There are estimates that there were about 8,000 priests. That's a large number, but a large number of those priests began to follow Jesus. 
So here's Stephen. Stephen is a man, one of the words, if you, if you wanna figure out Stephen, he's full of, he's saturated, he's pickled, he's, he is baptized in wisdom, he's baptized in the spirit, he is baptized, if, if you look at the, first, uh, the deal with faith, he has all these things going on in his life. And so that, that's our picture of Stephen. So um, go, to, go to the next uh, overhead here. So you've kind of got a profile of him. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Now think about this guy. He's not just your ordinary run-of-the-mill, table-serving kind of guy, is he? He's a normal servant. This is what normal serving looks like. See, serving is the outward manifestation of the power inside. This man is full of grace. He is filled with the grace of God because he's encountered God. He knows Jesus personally. And Jesus just comes out of him. And Jesus was the son of man who didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life so that others might be free, right? Stephen got that and Stephen lived that. So you see this. Now here's something interesting. When, when you start serving the Lord wholeheartedly, it's not all honey and no bees. You know what I mean? Opposition arose. Can I tell you, there's some people who are not excited about the joy of the Lord that is in your soul. They, they, they wanna beat you down and keep you, you know, kind of average is what they wanna do. And we learned that normal is not average. It's, it's way above average, right? And so Stephen is in this group called the Synagogue of the Freedmen. And I could unpack that for you, but it's just, no, it's, it's a synagogue of people here that are from these various places. Their ancestors have been freed from Rome. And so they've gathered together kind of as a, a sect of Judaism. And here's interesting, the Jews of Cyrene, Alexandria, and the provinces of Cilicia, everybody say Cilicia. And you're saying, why did I just say Cilicia? Do you know who was from Cilicia? A guy by the name of Saul of Tarsus. A guy by the name of Paul, who had become the most prolific writer of the New Testament, the apostle of all apostles. And listen what happens. Stephen is there, Opposition arise, and the people from these places began to argue with Stephen. Many believe that Paul the apostle, Saul of Tarsus, was there, and he was arguing with Stephen. Can, now do you have a picture of that? They're arguing, they're face to face. Paul, one of the most brilliant minds history's ever known, but yet not born again, not regenerate. And can, what, listen to what the next verse says. He says, Paul and his bunch were no match for a spirit-filled man. Look at the next verse. It says, they couldn't stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave Stephen as he spoke. So what happens is what happens. It happened to Jesus. It says in verse 11, they secretly persuaded men to say, we've heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. They paid these guys off, trumped it up. We're gonna to go to trial. Go to the next verse here. And so they stirred all the people up, the elders and the teachers of the law, and they seized Stephen. Now, do now, you see how they went from opposition to argument to now violence? They seize him and they bring him before the Sanhedrin and they produced false witnesses. 
They paid him off and they testified, this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place, speaking of the temple there in Jerusalem and against the law. And here's something interesting. Are those accusations of Stephen false? Not really, not really. What makes it trumped up is that Stephen, these guys are all paid off to say this. The truth is, Stephen is, he's rocking their boat about the temple. He's rocking their boat about the law because he's saying the temple is the living temple, Jesus, who lives in this temple. He's saying the law is the law of love, which is through Jesus. And they're, they're not liking it a whole lot at all. And it says, so... They, they say, verse 14, we've heard him say that, that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place, the temple, and change the customs of Moses handed down to us. And all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. That's, that's what I read that made me think, well, you know what? Maybe this servant named Stephen was the guy that had the greatest impact in Saul of Tarsus, Paul's life. See, I think a lot of times we, we, we don't read all that's really going on in the scripture. We miss some of the stuff that, that God is after in the scripture. Here's what I want us to look at. Let's, let's go to um, chapter seven. Point one. And this is the 60 verse sermon of Stephen. Longest sermon in the entire Bible. I think Paul probably remembered it pretty well because a lot of the things that Paul tells in the scripture are from the very words of this servant leader named Stephen, Stephanos. You know, there's two words in the Greek uh, for crown. One is diadem, a royal crown. The other word is Stephanos, a victor's crown the crown of a champion, the crown of an overcomer, the crown of a victor, the crown of one who is more than a conqueror, Stephen. So when you hear that name, and I love that, I like that name a whole lot. Stephen is a victor, he's a champion. When my boys were little, I used to tell them all the time, you guys are champions. You are champions, right? Can I tell you what? You guys are champions, God has a victor's crown for you, but it begins through the pathway, the portal of serving. Because Stephen, even though he had all these other incredible gifts of fullness, of wisdom, of grace, of faith, of all these things, it all came through the package of a people, a give first person of service. Look at this. Point one, he says, God began and directed Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob by grace through faith. It's, it's interesting if you, if you read that, and I'll, I'll let you read it on your own. It says that Abraham uh, was instructed by God to leave, he says, leave your country and your people. How I many of you know it takes grace to leave something you're incredibly familiar with? And it takes extraordinary faith to do it. Stephen was full of grace, in faith. In order for you to get that breakthrough that you need in your life, you need to understand that it's gonna come as you step into God's grace for your life and by faith begin to serve others. So 
you, you see that. You see the, the whole deal. Of, that's the beginning of the journey. Stephen just goes right down the line. He just goes straight at the history of the Israelites. The next point on our, on our deal here is, is verses 9 through 37. It says, the Jews rejected their God-sent deliverer. Stephen goes right down the list. He says, you know, it really all it started out with Joseph. Even his own brothers sold him into slavery. And Moses, you remember at the, the foot of the mountain is Moses, is the Moses says, hey, God wants us to have access to him, to be a kingdom of priests, to be his people to the ends of the earth. And they said, you go, Moses. We're, we're you know, maybe, I don't And Moses laid the footwork or the, the framework for look at verse uh, 37 in Acts 7. It says, this is the Moses who told Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. He's speaking about Jesus who was to come and who would be rejected. Look at the third point of his sermon here. Not only did they start out in grace by faith, they rejected those sent to be their prophetic voices. They disobeyed Moses in the law. The very law that was given to them, they couldn't keep it. Look at the fourth point here. He really goes to meddling now. Stephen, Stephen, listen to this. This is in verse uh, 48. He says, isn't that pretty good? We're already through 48 verses of this 60-verse sermon. He says, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands, As the prophet says, heaven is my home and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? He's going right after the very things that it said that Stephen, I guess he might've thought, if I'm being accused of these things, I'm gonna just go for it. You think, you think that I'm uh, uh, picking on the temple? Man, you should have you seen Jesus, what he did whenever he was uh, here in his last days before the temple. He said, yeah, this whole thing's coming down because I'm looking for a temple that is you. And so he says these things. Look at their response. The next point there. Actually, Point five, verse 50, 51 through 53, it says the Jews, he, he just tells them this. He says, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Can you think of a worse indictment than to resist the very one who is our source of life? And he goes on and he says, um, was there ever a prophet of your ancestors you didn't persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one and now you have betrayed and murdered him, Jesus. I mean, he's going after it. Verse 54 says, then the members of the Sanhedrin heard this they were furious. Can I, can I tell you what? Religion hates what it can't produce and what it can't control. 
Religion hates what it can't produce, what it can't control. It couldn't produce the miracle signs and wonders that followed Stephen's life. And it could not control this man even unto death. See, Stephen had a higher mission than pleasing his opposition. He had to please his heavenly father. And it says that they became furious with him, gnashed their teeth, but Stephen, verse 55, full of the Holy Spirit, he looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus was standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And they all just covered their eyes and their ears and they began to yell at the top of their voice, ah, and they rushed at him and they stoned him. Now, do you think this had an impact on Paul who's watching? The glory of God right before him, this man who lived so radically different than the people that Paul was defending began to plant seeds that would change his life. It says they dragged him off, they stoned him, and his final words were, receive my spirit. Forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Now this morning, I want to ask you one last question. What would cause Jesus to stand up in heaven? How many of you say, I'd like to be in that number? I'd like to be, I'd like to be a person that gets Jesus' attention to that place, that, that he would stand up in heaven and say, that's my boy. That's my girl. Well, well done. Well done. Well done. Though, though no one gets it, you got it. Can I tell you what it is that, that causes Jesus to stand up in heaven? I think it's the word that describes Stephen's life. Fullness. He was a man who was full. He was pickled. He was... He was, he was controlled by, he was saturated in. It was the consummation of his life. He was baptized, immersed totally in the fullness of the wisdom of God, of the spirit of God, of the grace of God, of the faith of God. All of those things that describe Stephen's life are coming present in the midst of the Jews, Jewish leaders, full of love. Why could he do that? Because he was full of Jesus. It was Christ in him, flowing through him, that, that gave the ability for all of this stuff to happen. And this morning, we're, we're gonna be Stepping out just in the next few minutes to water baptize people who have said, I'm all in. I want to be a champion. I'm, I'm courageously, fearlessly telling the world I belong to Jesus. Do you know that's what water baptism is? I'm burying my old man. That's no longer me. So, some of us hang on to the old man. Can I tell you that the, the old Steve wasn't all that hot? He really wasn't. He, he deserves a good burial. The new Steve in Jesus is pretty awesome. And so, so there's some of you here today that need to say, 
Yes, I'm going to step into, I'm gonna enter into the life of Christ and receive his forgiveness in his Holy Spirit. I'm gonna ask you if our worship team and our prayer folks, if you guys would just come up right now and we're just gonna have a prayer and then I'm gonna ask if, if you are getting baptized or if you would like to be baptized, if you would just come up to the front we're gonna pray for you. So if you, if that's your category, come on up. I, I believe, I believe that God's after a courageous people. A people that are fearless for his kingdom. Don't you? Am I, the, I guess I'm the only one, huh? Do you wanna be that person? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you take the simple things of life and you do profound things with them. I thank you for the life of Stephen, Lord. I thank you, God, that he's an example, God, that's, that's worthy because he is a man who was so full of you that he just flowed out of everything he did. Lord, I speak blessing over those who be water baptized today, declaring their allegiance to the King. Father, give courage to those here today, Lord, that need to say yes to Jesus or they need to be water baptized. And Lord, to others here today who, who need a breakthrough, Lord, I pray, God, that they would serve first, they would give first, Lord, and watch what you're going to do. We pray that those same kind of signs and wonders that accompanied Stephen would flow in this place this morning. Just, uh, I believe I'm hearing the word kidneys. If, if that's you, if you have a kidney uh, issue, I believe the Lord wants to heal you. Knees and backs. I believe the Lord wants to restore relationships. Whatever your need is this morning, I invite you to come and receive I invite you to come and embrace the goodness of God in Jesus name